0: A plethora of bowl games, which I have already picked poorly, transfer portal is buzzing, and maybe even a little peek ahead to the college football playoffs. This is the College Game Day podcast for Tuesday, December nineteenth. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel. Uh, Pete, have you have you been decompressing, or have you overloaded yourself? on college football, have you gorged yourself on the various
1: bowl games. I would say I've gorged myself on On the transfer portal. (laughs) That has been, (laughs) that has been, uh, that has been my lone buffet stop, uh, since we last saw you at, uh, at army Navy last week, Reese. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, the, the face of the sport next year, the faces of the sport next year are being reshaped and reshuffled and moved around. And, uh, It's been a really interesting uh, few weeks. We've seen USC lose a lot of high-profile names from their roster. We've seen Georgia lose a lot of high-profile names from their roster. We have seen the embers of the great Nebraska revival. You can hear Big Red roaring back to life on the plains. Um, So a lot of the 2024 Early storylines are taking shape with personnel moves in the transfer portal, and uh, quite frankly, the quarterbacks have really been the 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 story. I mean, they are the sport, right? You do not win in the sport without a without a quarterback, and they are moving and shaking. Well, there's a team that's not in the playoff because of the quarterback situation,
0: and you know, for years, uh, I remember when I used to do the studio stuff with Mark May and Lou Holtz. I used to have a running joke just when you think we're talking too much about the quarterbacks, let's talk some more about the quarterbacks. And that doesn't mean it's a one-person sport, Mm -hmm. but the way the game's played and the way offenses are designed now, you have to have that trigger guy, and that's why they are in such demand in the portal. It's why they make so much money in NIL or are enticed by the possibility of a certain amount of money in some cases. As you go back now and look at the comments that Matt Rule had made previously. In the moment, it appeared that he was sort of bemoaning the state of the sport, which in some ways I'm sure he was. But now it sort of looks like uh, this was all part of the plan, sort of laying out the plan there to make sure that they got a high-profile quarterback, which they did in, in Dominic Rayola, who's flipped from Georgia. Now, his ties, his family ties with Nebraska – Make me look at this in a not completely cynical fashion. The heartstrings are are real for families in college football, particularly. We saw it with Bo Nix at Auburn. Uh, certainly, his career you know elevated when he went to Oregon. But those things are significant. So I don't I don't for a second, even though Rule might have been putting out the plan or dropping some breadcrumbs. I don't for a second dismiss it and, and say, uh, well, you know. He's just about money and Nebraska, you know, gave him a better NIL deal. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't, but I don't think that's the entirety of the story. What do you think?
1: Well, I was, uh, I, w- I was lucky enough to talk to Dylan Rayle yesterday. We broke the story. Um, the long expected becoming official. It wasn't exactly Watergate. <laughs> it was yeah, Nebraska yeah. choice. So I don't want to, I want to over overstate that, but it was a really interesting conversation with him yesterday. Uh, Reese, a, he really mature young man and, uh, he was convicted in his in his belief in, in Nebraska, and the quote that will that will stick with me um, from the, about the twenty minutes I spent on the phone with him. And I think the quote that will follow him there was, "I firmly believe that Nebraska is in my blood. It's a great mm-hmm. opportunity to be part of something bigger than myself. Nebraska is a special place." And. Later, this was a little bit of a throwaway thing, but it, it, it stuck. It maybe when he said it, it didn't stick with me. When I read it, it, it resonated a little more. He said, just the history of the Nebraska football program. It's just not, it's not just another program. All right. Mm-hmm. So his father, Dominic, was a first team All American center there. He won the Remington Award. He was the finalist for two other Old american Awards. He had a 14 year decorated career uh, with the Detroit Lions. I and mean, he was, he's, he's an all time great. Lion lineman and likely an all-time great lion. From that point, I mean, he was a he was a mauler for well over a decade in the NFL. His uncle Donovan also played there. He's now the uh, the, the line coach. I was told yesterday that the grandparents would go and spend, obviously, his grandparents would with their kids and their grandkids. You know, long stretches of time in Lincoln. So there are a lot of eyes on Matt Rule and his program and what they were developing there from the Rayolas, and I think that. He kept talking about Matt Rule's culture, and I think that because of how deep the family ties are, and because they had spies in the building, right, and spies around the building, and spies at practice, and uh, mm. the, the grandfather Raola uh, uh, obviously raised two sons in football and knows what it's supposed to look like, right. So I just feel like there was a year-long built-in confidence that Matt Rule can do this. Because let's face it, I don't care if your uncle works there, or your dad went there. If you don't have faith in the coach and the coaching staff. You're not going to send right. your prodigy quarterback there. You're just mm-hmm. not going to. So um, look, you and I have seen Matt Rule do this twice, right? We saw him do it at Temple. We saw him do it at Baylor. There's a lot of empirical evidence that he can do it at Nebraska. And, and let's face it, Reese, Matt Rule said the quiet part out loud, and we need to start saying the the, the quiet part out loud more. Nebraska has NIL money, right? Yeah, right. I, yes. I remember when I, I, I went through there uh, before the draft this summer, I went to Nebraska and K-State on my way down to Kansas City, and Trev Alberts, your former colleague, uh, said this to me, and it popped up in the back of my mind there. He said, we're we're talking about the relentless support fans have given Nebraska Reese without much in return for the Mm -hmm. last 15 years, Mm -hmm. right? And he said, Nebraska is the only school in the Big Ten that doesn't have any debt. So they are operating without any debt right now. So they're doing all this. And the point is this, they are ready to go all in Mm NIL-wise, and- I really think the portal trends that we've seen in the last 10 days, the places you're like, I can't believe people are leaving USC. I can't believe people are leaving Georgia. I can believe it because I don't think they have the same NIL war chest that you would think that their logo would dictate. Mm -hmm. USC's NIL is a mess. It's been a mess. They had some staff changes. And they're losing real guys, right? They did not want to lose Tackett Curtis. If you spend any time with Lincoln Ryan in the offseason, he talked about the freshman linebacker in mm-hmm. as glowing terms as anyone who had never played a snap there. I mean, he was all in on Tackett Curtis. Tackett Curtis in the portal is a problem for USC. Demonte Jackson was a big time recruit. He was just an okay player there. He wasn't mm-hmm. great, but you don't want to lose a guy who's local, who's a top five recruit, who's playing real, uh, real snaps for you. Um, Malachi Nelson, and same thing, I mean, Georgia's lost Marvin Jones Jr. to the portal. They've lost uh, Jamond Dumas Johnson to the portal. Like, these are real, real guys. And mm-hmm. again, uh, nobody's showing us the, the negotiations and the things, but I think Georgia is having a bit of an inflection point that they need to catch up to the old misses of the world in the portal. Um, and my last thought here, because I'm rambling, and we can get into this in upcoming days, The main reason why Texas, for the first time in basically 15 years, has been able to leverage the Texas brand and the Texas location is that no one in college football is spending more money than Texas, right? Now they have a great coach and they have a great quarterback and they have great players, but all this has come together because they have leveraged their assets and developed the biggest war chest and shown an aggression in spending it. And this is just where we are right now. And it's almost like a test of, does your athletic department have their act together? Mm-hmm. Because it takes – it's non-linear, right? You have to have the collective that has to pay, but you can't, as a coach, technically offer. But, like, it just shows you have to have great alignment with all this stuff. So old Lane Kiffin is winning the portal because Ole Miss was very smart and said, we are going to go attack this area, and that's why they're winning.
0: I'm not crying for Georgia yet, though, Pete. I mean nope. – Some of it, there are also some tangible reasons why some of the players who have left did regarding Mm -hmm. the typical football reasons. Um, Not that they wanted them to leave. I'm not suggesting that, but there are guys pushing them in some cases uh, for playing time. I don't disagree with you at all that you need to have all of this together. And I do marvel at how well Lane did this year Uh, In keeping his team together, even with, uh, you know, with the losses and the two biggest games, but he still seemed to build a camaraderie and a culture. Mm -hmm. That's still the question, because you can go out and acquire talent, but if you acquire a team full of guys who um, are in it for them which all, everybody is. There's nothing wrong with that. That makes it sound like I'm casting aspersions. They should be in it selfishly because no one else is going to look out for the player if the player doesn't first look out for himself. That doesn't mean he can't be about the team. He has to pursue his own best interest because no one else will if he doesn't. That said, if you don't have the right leadership and if you don't have the right feeling. When things start to go sideways, all of those players entered the portal for a reason. Doesn't have to be a bad reason. Doesn't mean they're bad people at all. They can be wonderful people. Maybe they entered it because they went to a higher bidder. Maybe they entered it because they thought for sure they'd be a star where they were just sort of a star before or maybe a role player. Maybe they wanted to be uh, thought they had a clear path to a starting position. Okay, you twist an ankle, your backup plays better. You get a little Wally pipped, which happened in a couple of the Georgia cases. And now all of a sudden, are you still pulling in the same direction? Because now you're a little desperate. So I think it's a huge challenge for guys like Lane, and he's proven to be adept at it. For anyone else who's active in the portal to keep that going in the right direction because USC acquired a bunch of the right talent this past year on defense and it didn't work. And when it started going sideways, it went real sideways. And I still think that's a challenge. Doesn't mean it can't be done. Uh, it just means it just means it is a daunting task for the head coach and the leaders on the team to build, uh, an us mentality instead of a, for lack of a better term, a, a mercenary mentality, because if you put together a team of mercenaries uh, and I'm not saying that's what Ole Miss is doing, don't misunderstand this at all, because I think they've done quite well in this regard. But if you, if that is your whole thing, you say, we're going to throw money at this problem without a plan, then you're going to, you're not going to get what you've invested. I think that happened a little bit with USC. Uh, this year especially on defensive maybe offense too because you know they trouble protecting Caleb as well as they had previously um, that's what you're going to wind up with and that's the challenge for the coach is to once they get in there this is just like it's always been you know you you have to earn your spot we're going to make the decisions that's best for the team you can still make your appearances you can still collect your money all of that but in terms of in terms of playing time, that's all earned. And I think that's uh, that's a challenge for some of these coaches that are really active in the portal because you're changing your leadership or at least a portion of it on an annual basis now, and that wasn't true in the past.
1: Yeah, I think that it's an interesting point, Reese, but I also think, too, we have to evolve a little bit with like Lane Kiffin, right? Because he's now had this similar scenario for the third straight year. No, right? they've, no, they've, wait, I they've, praised they've, him. I did, yeah, no, 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 I'm not. I was praising him. No, I'm not saying you criticize. I'm saying like, yeah, he's getting better at this, right? Because it's a new, it's a new thing. And quite frankly, two years ago they they folded down the stretch fairly epically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as, as it went, and I think this year it was handled better. But I do think as a coach, you have to evolve and you have to build your, knowing you're going to build your team differently and having your coaching experience shaped through some of the adversity of two years ago. I just think these coaches are going to become better prepared on how to deal with the sudden influx of top players and how that affects the rest of the roster and just some of those inherent locker room issues. I do feel like First of all, within the program, some of that's going to be baked in now, right? You got year three of bringing all in this talent. Okay, we're ready for it. We're used to it. This is a thing that happens every year. And I and I do credit Lane Kiffin. He is going to evolve as a coach in handling these guys and handling tense situations and communicating with position groups and aggrieved players who inherently aren't going to play. So I just think as we move on in the portal era – We have to embrace that this is gonna this is this is going to change and evolve. I I but I I agree with your core point. Like you still got to get everyone in and get them on the same page. And we have seen portal teams hit adversity, all of a sudden you're not playing for a conference title anymore, you're not playing for big stakes and just kind of go splat. Like that's happened. That's happened a handful of times. I just think I think it's interesting that you know, like you say that, you know, what's your, what's your, what's your pet phrase? Like we don't, we don't begrudge guys for getting better. Like we're, we're going to allow no, for evolution. it's not, it's not against, it's not against the rules. It's yeah. Not it's not against, against the, the rules to get better. To yeah. get better. And yeah. I just don't think it's against the rules for coaches to become better at handling the free agency. Maybe I didn't make my point
0: clear. I'm not criticizing sure. anybody for this mm-hmm. or am I saying that this is not the right thing. My point is, is that it's a it's a new challenge. Yep, It's not, you can't develop leaders in the same way over the course of three or four years. You have to find a different way to establish that core culture. It can be done. I'm not suggesting that it can't. I'm saying it's a different challenge. And I also think Lane is pretty astute because in terms of and I didn't really intend for this to all be about Lane and Ole Miss, although they've dominated the portal. Sure. Um, I I think he's been pretty astute because chances are it's going to be hard for Ole Miss to consistently out recruit Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Mm -hmm. Texas coming into the league. So you find the right guys and you also get a more seasoned player. Now, that, that's the upside. The downside I mentioned, you got guys who are coming in and when they come in the second time, now they want theirs and they should, by the way. When you go to a place the second time, you're pursuing your career in a very short period of time for a college athlete. So you should mm-hmm. come in there, you know, wanting, <clears throat> wanting yours, not in a selfish way, but wanting to excel. And But now the good side of that is that you've eliminated some of the guesswork at least some of it about what a player's capable of if he's played a year or two in college. He's not the whole college scenario is not uh, is not different. You know, my my son made an interesting point about this uh, recently. You know, he he was in the portal, but in a different way as a, as a graduate transfer when he uh, left Princeton and, and went to Duke after after graduation. And one of the things he said that from talking to other guys that he's encountered in his baseball jersey, he goes, uh, baseball journey is that guys who go in the portal more times than not at the high levels are finding the same thing, but a different uniform and a different locale that they think they're going to something different, but they're really not. It's all kind of the same, you know, in terms, of, I mean, there are things that are better one place than the other. Coach, you might. Uh, relate to better here than somewhere else, something like that. But generally speaking, as a structure, high-level division one athletics, from both his experience and from those that you know he's played with, you know, in in college ball who've transferred and in Pro Ball, saying it's the same thing. It's just, you know, it's a it's a different guy saying it. You know, <laughs> different guys saying it and the uniforms are different. And everything else is pretty much the same. And you know, in terms of, what he means by that is like in terms of what's expected. You know, your schedule, your your weight room uh, responsibilities, class, there may be, you know, different rules, but basically it's the it's the same thing
1: wherever you go. Yeah. So I think we should have Lane Kiffin on our podcast at some time, maybe like after spring ball Love and to talk to him about. a little bit about his about the leading a team of, you know, meshing a team and leadership in the modern college football arcs. I think it would be interesting, but I think I know his secret, Reese.
0: Which I is. think he's
1: he's rallied everyone around Juice Kiffin the dog, all right? <laughs> and there's really yeah, two rallying it. cries about Juice. <laughs> I think he's seen Kirk Herbstreet's dog get so famous that he's gotten he's gotten the team rallied around Juice <laughs> to make sure that Juice stays more famous than Ben. Because quite frankly, it's neck and neck right now if, <laughs> if they were to have followers or if they were to have social resonance. And then Juice Kiffin has to be stay the most famous Juice in the program because now juice. Wells. juice. Wells is there too. No, so there's just, there's a lot wait of things to see that. I can't there's, wait to yes. see juice with juice. Yes. yes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways. Yeah. That would go viral pretty fast with the, uh, with the old uh, Ole Miss fan base. Uh, there's, there's, I, there's, I
0: doubt you know, this is true. What if juice Wells, what if the Ole Miss media people come to him and he goes, No, nah, I'm a cat guy or, or, <laughs> I, or, or I'm, I'm a reptile guy. I've got, you know, I've got iguanas and snakes or something. I'm, I'm not into dogs. I think they'd
1: tell him to transfer to Jack uh, to Delta State.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Much. Can, much can be forgiven if you make a couple of plays on Saturday. Yeah, right? he's
1: probably going to go for twelve hundred yards this year. So they could probably <laughs> he could probably have hamsters and iguanas, and they wouldn't really care. You know, one more thing about
0: laying and handling the locker room and everything. I remember when when Spencer Sanders went to Ole Miss, and I don't know the details of why he went to Ole Miss. Now, I've been sort of been a Jackson Dart fan since he I first saw him at USC. So when Spencer Sanders went to Ole Miss, I thought, why is he doing that? Jackson Dart's going to be the quarterback, you know, and you didn't I didn't really sense or hear or rumblings. Now, maybe it's because Ole Miss was winning and Dart was playing well, but I didn't really hear any rumblings of discontent. Yeah, uh, you know, from that, so I think that's to Kiffin's credit too. I mean, that's just the the most notable example is you bring in a quarterback, and the and the quarterback ends up not playing. You know, that can that can be problematic in and of itself. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's an interesting interesting time for sure. Any what else is out there in the portal? What are you hearing on um, on Cam Ward? Uh, you know, I, I saw now Dante has followed Dylan Gabriel, which might be um, a realization that, hey, I, I I need I need some time to recalibrate here. What what did you make of what do you make of those two stories right now?
1: So I'm going to break a quick quarterback going the portal. Give me 90 seconds.
0: That only happens on this podcast and college game day podcast that Pete Thamel uh, interrupts the proceedings right here. Our our crack technical team makes the edit, so you can't even tell. And now we're back. 97 seconds later, moments ago, Pete Thamel, the authority, many call him, broke a quarterback to the transfer portal. Pete, let's build the drama. First of all, was it a quarterback going into the portal, or was it a destination selected?
1: It was a dive into the portal. Uh, Tulsa's Braylon Braxton, who had a great 2022, he was a freshman All-American quarterback. He is diving in now. There'll be there'll be a pretty good market for Braylon Braxton. Both two Pac-12 schools were were playing footsies with him last year in the portal. Um, And he could have gone to a pretty high-profile destination. He stuck around to playing Kevin Wilson's offense. He was banged up this year. He was hurt a bunch and didn't play as much. So it will be interesting to see he's a – I believe he's a DFW native um, from that that era. It will be interesting to see where Braylon Braxton ends up. There will be suitors, Reese, because as we know, everybody needs a quarterback.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner?
1: Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
0: And the Week in Review is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve, and the one fans deserve, is to have a great quarterback. Uh, one that will make all fansville rejoice, as it were. So um, before the late-breaking news, I'd ask you about the idea that maybe Dante Moore, uh, willing mm-hmm. to sit behind Dylan Gabriel at Oregon, for mm-hmm. a year after leaving UCLA and then Cam Ward is still on tour out there. What what do you what do you make of the more decision and and Ward's
1: impending one? So the more decision I thought was pretty interesting because I, I think it takes some maturity to say, you know what? I could use a year to develop, right? He got thrown into the fire at UCLA. He had a lot of early, early success, then hit some adversity. Um, things didn't go his way. So I really feel like him stepping back. And remember, he was committed to Oregon and then was a signing day flip to, uh, to to UCLA last year. And I really think him sitting back and saying, going and learning for a year under Dylan Gabriel, learning Will Stein's offense, having a full spring and then a full fall. And Let's face it, at Oregon, you're going to play in half the games as the backup, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the way they score points and the way that they are. Uh, maybe in the Big Ten, it's different, but probably not that different, right? So, um I feel like for Dante Moore, that was that was a big time decision. It also shows, again, we start talking about the North Star of where college football's going and where the talent's going. Oregon's got a war chest now. Let's mm-hmm. not you know, let's not mince words and that's a that's again, this is not sometimes I've had coaches like call me and say they're insulted when I've when I've said that, right? Because we still have to recruit and have relationships. Sure, you do. But when you got a bag of cash, everything's a little bit easier. Now you have to make the right decisions and you have to, you have to develop guys once they get there. But um, Oregon through, they had a Walter Nolan visit. Now, supposedly he's, he's an old Miss lean and that may happen. Um, you know, the, the star D lineman from M, but like, it's they not ain't, a secret. They ain't,
0: beating the, they ain't beating the portal King. Come on, man. <laughs> Look how much money they got. It's a portal King. Yeah.
1: They're doing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Please continue. No, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to be skeptical of Ole Miss as a contender if they do get like a Walter Nolan. Cause at a certain point Jackson yeah. darts really good. You've got, I mean, juice Wells was one of the three best receivers in the sec the last two years. Right. So, and then you have like that. This is where Ole Miss has traditionally suffered other than when they maybe had like Kandiche or some guys like that is they don't have the same dogs inside that Georgia LSU and Alabama have. And ultimately now, Freeze was able to run a tempo that negated some of that stuff, right? And 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 good on him. But like ultimately, that's where those SEC games are won, week in, week out, etc. If you start getting those like ginormous impact top ten type pick interior linemen, and you get the elite offensive tackles, and you combine it with the skill that they've had, that's when you you have to start rethinking the the paradigm of Ole Miss a little bit. So um, all and that they said, they would have
0: been they would have been in a, in an expanded playoff this year
1: yes you know assuming and there's no reason to think the
0: committee would have ranked differently knowing that they had 12 spots but yeah you know they would have had the last at large spot in the playoff this year
1: Mm -hmm. correct yeah wouldn't it have been uh they would have gone to columbus and played ohio state in those Uh, mock-ups i believe
0: they would have gone to uh georgia something we we'd already seen but they would go back
1: that's right they would have gone to Georgia. i wonder if that would have got flipped And they would have gone to Ohio state just to make the matchups a little easier. Maybe I'm certainly not, I'm certainly not conspiracy theory here, but like, I do think like, as we go forward, there may be a premium put on, on new matchups.
0: And they, one of the things that they do with the bowls now, the new year six bowls is they try to avoid regular season matchup or rematches. And you see it in the NCAA tournament and basketball. In fact, uh, if memory serves, it's within the committee's protocol um, and jurisdiction in the basketball selection committee to move a team up or down a seed line because of their various bracketing principles uh, some of which include trying to avoid rematches. Sometimes that's impossible in basketball simply because, you know, a conference might have so many teams that the, all of the bracketing principles can't be followed, but it will be, it will be interesting to say, Hey, you know what, in this particular instance, you have Penn state 10 Ole miss 11 and, um, If you do that, then you have rematches of games in the same site that we've already seen in the regular season. Do you just, you know, flip one or the other, either make Ohio State six, Mm -hmm. Georgia seven or make Ole Miss 10, Penn State 11 in order to um, in order to avoid that. So, yeah. uh, what, what about, what do you got on camp? What do you got in Cam Ward?
1: So I think Cam Ward, uh, I, I know enough that I know Cam Ward went Christmas shopping yesterday, Reese. Um, yeah, Good. on Monday. So he's back in the, he lives like an hour South of Houston. Um, he's back home. He's, he's done his visit to Miami. He's done his visit to Florida state. It looks like he is going to be choosing between those two schools, unless something, uh, unless something drastically different happens. And Florida state, had DJ Uwe Ungele in on a visit after Cam Ward. Uh, Ward uh, left on a Friday morning. Uwe Ungele came in late on a Thursday night last week. The Uwe Ungele camp appears to be waiting on Ward. And if not, Florida State would likely pull the trigger on him. Now, KJ Jefferson has come in and sort of established himself as one of the high end portal guys. And he could ultimately make a difference with Miami. So Miami's waiting on Will Howard. That doesn't appear like it's going to happen. Um, he has not committed yet to USC as of Tuesday morning, but that appears the most likely scenario. So let's roll through the, the, uh, the options for Cam Ward. He's obviously visited Miami. Then he visited Florida state. He's gone home to Texas. There supposed to be maybe one or two more visits. Those didn't happen. So he's likely to choose between those two schools. They seem to be waiting for him. Miami doesn't look like they're going to get Will Howard anymore. And, so if it's not Ward, the the new name that's emerged at Miami in the last 24 hours is KJ Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback who uh who who headed to the portal the other day. Obviously dynamic, productive, really really intriguing player um who who did good work at uh who did good work at Arkansas. So I think Cam Ward holds the key. He's the coveted one. If he chooses Miami, Florida State would likely move on DJ Uyunglele. Uh, if he chooses Florida State, Miami's scrambling a little bit, but KJ Jefferson has emerged as a nice option. Um, Malachi Nelson is the other interesting name. Um, he the the interesting thing about this Reese is that if you take Malachi Nelson, you are blowing up your quarterback room, right? Because nobody's going to say, "Oh, I'll just wait three years," because Malachi Nelson wants to start right away. It's going to be a power five guy. It's a it's it's a really interesting game of chicken with these coaches. Because look, like these aren't just uh, pushpins in a map or chess pieces. These are guys you've worked hard, developed, they've learned your system, they're leaders in your locker room, they have teammates, and that does not feel good if you blow out an entire room to bring in a guy as an upgrade. Who, let's face it, Malachi Nelson has not done a thing in college. He's very talented, but he hasn't done a thing. He's had some injuries. So, um, the, I think what's underrated talking to a lot of these coaches is the art behind the portal and how to handle it.
0: Thank you for crystallizing and um, augmenting my earlier point perfectly right there. I mean, this is, this is the portal. I mean, but there's nothing wrong with it. I'm for it. I've said that a hundred times. It's just a really fascinating thing in human psychology, which more and more, that's job description number one, a, I guess, behind being a football expert, which they certainly need to be, but behind that being a master in human psychology is maybe the most important component of of a coach's resume and his uh and his arsenal if he's going to put put together a winning program. So quarterbacks uh, will continue to dominate the talk or dominate the talk once we get to um, the national semifinals and the college football playoffs. JJ McCarthy healthy, Jalen Milrow's uh, emergence, Quinn Ewers is he going to you know continue his ascendancy late in the season? And of course, Michael Penix Jr. Can he? finish off with a with a great run uh in his career too. Best in game is brought to you by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. Pete, before we bounce out of here, early bowl game that you're looking forward to, which which one are you looking forward to sort of saying over the next several days uh, leading up to the playoff?
1: And I guess I can't answer all of them because I love all of the bowl. Oh, games. so do I. But, I mean, give, give I us mean, one
0: to focus. I'll on. give
1: us one. I'll give you one that I'm going to look forward to. Uh, someday my friends have teased me when I retire. I'm just going to wear a green jacket and and be part of the host committee for the Fenway Bowl. So I have booked my travel to Los Angeles to allow me to go to the Fenway Bowl in Boston, where I live. Um, and I will be attending SMU who I'm excited to see in person, by the way, like they're, they're an impressive outfit, scored a ton of points. Um, they take on local Boston college. So I'm hoping it snows and Fenway park looks like a winter wonderland and 11 AM kick. So, you know, can get Teddy some breakfast and, uh, you know, someday Teddy may accompany me to the Fenway bowl. We will go sit in the, uh, sit in the old bleachers and go, I, I, I think at, uh, not quite two He's probably not ready for uh, for that. Plus, at two, he's so big, he wouldn't fit in the Fenway Park seats anyway <laughs> because they're they were made in 1912. But I don't think uh, him running around the park is probably going to give it for anyone in the cold. But I would say if there's a game I'm looking forward to, it's going to be the one I see in person, Reese. That's a good call. Uh, getting Teddy
0: breakfast. Have you considered um, have you considered getting him Pop-Tarts?
1: I have not. We we are certainly not any paragons of health, but my god, our pop tarts are not healthy.
0: <laughs> no, no, wait, wait a minute. No, have you have you ever put butter on a Pop Tart?
1: Reese, I know you're <laughs> from the South and drink Dr. <laughs> Pepper for breakfast, but even for you, that's like
0: <laughs> if you if you haven't, I really think you should. Have you ever put butter on a Pop Tart? It's so no. freaking good. What? And if you're playing along at home with dead Pete Thammel get the pop culture reference,
1: you win. Uh, They'll give you the prize. If there's a pop culture reference, I don't know it. That's the safest bet. What's that from?
0: It's right in your wheelhouse, too. It's from a a great New Englander and and a Boston-area guy, Peter Griffin from Family Guy. And he locks up again. You know, I think Butter on a Pop-Tart has completely freaked out Pete, but... Peter Griffin tells me it's so freaking good. And he says some other things too. You should go back and watch that scene because there's a family guy clip for everything I'm told, but the pop tarts bowl in camping world stadium in Orlando between NC state, a team that probably didn't get its due for its improvement and mm-hmm. for its accomplishment over the course of the season, playing Kansas state and the Avery Johnson era being fully underway now that they're going there, which I, I wish he were not as tall in stature because given uh, my affinity for Avery Johnson, the former NBA star and former NBA coach, um, we could call him the Little General, but I don't think that's I don't think that's appropriate for the Kansas State quarterback because he's about six two. So he's
1: got a big mullet too. Let's face it.
0: Yeah, he he's got uh, he's got a lot of hair working there too. So he's got that going for him, which might make him preseason Heisman favorite to me.
1: I'm going to ask. He's electric, this. Reese. I mean, he's yeah, electric. He's going to yeah. be a, a face of the sport the upcoming years. He's got like. Anthony Richardson elect like he's rare man he is a rare rare bird let's see um let's see
0: how he does against that salty NC State defense now butter on a pop-tart I recommend salt probably not although honesty compels me to say because we we don't tell lies in this podcast I've never put butter on a pop-tart okay I just I just he does drink Dr. Pepper for
1: breakfast by the way no
0: I don't uh I drink coffee first then copious amounts of diet Dr. Pepper
1: diet Dr. Pepper sorry Sorry. Which I've
0: still been. Uh, I'm told that uh, a Dr. Pepper executive was delighted that I brought her up, brought her daughter up on the podcast, and mentioned that I should have a deal. Yet, still no deal has has arrived here. But anyway, uh, but you know, I don't know why they would give me a deal. I still, I'm I'm pretty much responsible for keeping their supply chain humming. I think by buying it. So I don't, I don't really know why they would give me a deal since I'm already, I'm already buying it. So. Um, we're gonna get together again. We're gonna make some bowl picks before Christmas and then we're we're gonna do some in person podcast, uh, which you and I see each other a lot, but getting us all together with yeah. uh, whole with team, Taylor and Adrian and I don't know, is Sarah coming? I don't know who else coming. Um, but who else coming out there, Taylor, uh, to Los Angeles?
1: You're coming. So I will be there. Unfortunately, Sarah Abbott is not uh coming out to Los Angeles, but we'll have Adrian. Adrian's we'll... coming. Right. We'll have sure we'll a uh, new hire, Sean, here. He's, he's uh, listening on the podcast today. He's fixed all of our problems. <laughs> Sean, uh, actually, no, Sean. we're blaming him for our problems now, right, Pete? No,
0: no Sean, is, Sean has said, why have they done this to me? What did I do wrong? <laughs> is, this, is this some type of demotion? But Sean, we learned before we started, is a Valdosta State Blazer, just as our, um, our great Lindsey Lloyd, who runs things for us on college game day, a uh, proud Valdosta state blazer too so we've got to make sure that we get Sean and Lindsay together to to talk all things Valdosta state title town people some people think it's Green Bay but i think it's Valdosta won a lot of national championships in high school football there and the blazers are good too so
1: wasn't uh uh Tate Rodemaker's dad the coach at Valdosta high I, I I know we played there. I'm not sure if it's what is it?
0: Uh Sean can answer this if his mic's on. I think it – is it Valdosta and Lowndes uh that are the two big schools in in the city of Valdosta. Is it Lowndes County? Is that there? Yeah. Is, is that yep, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yep, Lowndes okay. County, Valdosta yeah.
1: High versus Lowndes.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's a that's a a big a big game. That one quick Georgia high school football story before we go. I still think maybe one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Um was it, was it did not involve Valdosta or Lowndes, although I think the winner of this game went on to play them maybe in a state championship or some such thing. LaGrange played Colquitt County, which is where uh, Ray Goff played and Ray's younger brother, Bucky. Bucky might have been playing there uh, that year, too. They LaGrange played behind um, a quarterback called Rodney Hudson. Do you remember him, Pete, uh, from the early 90s? Probably played at Mississippi State. Mm. And then uh, transferred and played somewhere else. I, I mean, you want to talk? It's how quarterbacks are such an inexact science, Um, because Rodney, I mean, he was a dude, man, and he put on one of the great performances I've ever seen. You watch him, and you go, this guy can't miss in college, and you know he he had a nice career, but you know. And, things didn't go his way for whatever reason in terms of him becoming a superstar. But man, oh man, it was packed on the sideline. I was working in local television at the time. I mean, you couldn't move on the sidelines and everybody who had played at both schools who had gone on there, it was like an sec, uh, huh. ACC who's who on the sidelines on there um, coming back to watch their high schools play. And you know, it stands for packed chilly night in South Georgia. No energy
1: like a big high school game energy. Oh man, no energy, especially like
0: that, man. as Sean as Sean can probably tell you. Um, especially in in that part of Georgia, it's really really special there, and I know it is in Texas too, and in Florida, it's great. But something about those. Um, this was in a, a town called Moultrie, Georgia. It was where the game was played. And I mean, it was like everything had shut down for that game. It was really, really cool. One of the best performances I've ever seen. And oh. uh, it was a, a great game, too. But it, at any rate, so that's, what, that's, what the, that's how they do it in Valdosta. And Valdosta State's going to uh, try to do it that way, too. We'll pay off the stake bet when we get to Los Angeles. I hear we've got something really special planned for that particular podcast. We'll be back to make some picks in the bowl games. Uh, based on my Capital One Bowl Mania Challenge, we're not off to a stellar start there, at least not picking against the spread. So uh, at any rate, that's that's what we'll do. Pete, hope you have a great holiday, my friend.
1: Thank you, Reese. May your internet connection be clear.
0: Yours too, pal. <laughs> this, this, this is the College Game Day podcast. Download your podcast wherever you prefer to get them. The best way is to subscribe. And we wish all of you speedy internet connections.